are listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Have a seat if you're not already seated. Take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to Matthew. We're going to be looking at chapter 4 uh, this, uh, this morning, the first 11 verses there. If you don't have a Bible, our wonderful ushers are coming down the aisle. They have a stack of Bibles in their hand. If you want to borrow one, just wave at them, and they'll be happy to uh, let you give that loaner uh, Bible. Just leave it there when you're done with it, and someone else will pick it up and use it for second service, and we appreciate that. I encourage you to bring your own Bibles, too, when you, or if you don't have one, go to the information booth and say, I'd like a Bible, and they'd be happy to give you one. Take your outline, uh, your worship folder, and turn it over to the outline section. Uh, like always, there's blanks there, and the answers will be up on the screen. And I encourage you also, to, again, <laughs> to write down these extra verses that I give, because you always learn more when you look these things up on your own. And if you haven't already turned in your prayer card, do that. We love to pray for you and want to do that. You know, we've been talking about God's story. And as uh, Jericho mentioned, we're in the middle of our campaign, our concentrated focus on God's story, His story. And our story, my personal story, not mine, but mine, yours, mine, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and how that story and how we should jump into God's story. Not try to make God's story our story, but actually have our story conform to God's story. And, and there are a number of elements to the campaign. One, Jericho mentioned, is a do- daily devotional. It's an opportunity for you to get into God's word and to grow and learn from God's word and be challenged by the testimonies that Jericho mentioned in that. There's also the, the small group element, which uh, they go through a page like this. You can actually grab one of these. You can do it on your own. That, that's fine too, but you learn a lot more when you're in a group. And if you don't have a group because you're afraid, you know, you're not sure if you know anybody, well, you know me. And, and, you know, we spend, we're going to spend a little bit of time together right now and, uh, and, and come to my small group, me and Ron Degatanos. We, it's uh, 7 o'clock right here, just room 209. It's right there. We have a great, it's, a, it's kind of a large small group. <laughs> we sit around tables. We're smaller, but it's a little bit larger. There's about 20 of us there and it's a wonderful, wonderful time. So love, love to have you come and join us. Even if you just come for a week, it's a fun time and appreciate you doing that. But um, it's, it's, it's understanding his story. And then us jumping into that story and making his story, our story, my story. It's, a, it's as, as we just sang, a, a victorious story. By the way, by the, speaking of, of victory, how many of you watched the Charger game last week? <laughs> Wasn't that just wonderful? Uh, it, it, what, a, what a great game against the Super Bowl champion Seattle Seahawks. Um, I only caught the last few minutes, but the, the, the joy of victory on the faces of those Chargers was just great. To beat the, the awesome Super Bowl champs, and I got to tell you, the Seattle Seahawks is an amazing team. In my opinion, they were getting a little bit overconfident in themselves. But the victory was sweet, especially because Pastor Justin McKeldry, he's uh, one of our associate pastors here. Uh, he's teaching at the branch. He's helping start the branch. He'll be helping start some of our new branches as we go along. He is a, um, a, just a diehard anything Washington State fan. So he's a Seattle Seahawks fan, a Seattle Mariners fan, and Huskies, and all those kind of different teams that come out of Washington. And, and he was just so elated that the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, and he was getting a little bit uh, cocky, let's just say. <laughs> so I loved at the end of the game, I texted him and said, oh, how the mighty fall. <laughs> and he texted back, they didn't fall. They were beaten down. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So it was, a, it was fun uh, to get back to that and to, and to have fun. But, but the thrill of victory is sweet. Like the exhausted delight of crossing that finish line of a marathon or a triathlon or an Ironman. The elated relief of that finishing touch on that huge project at work. The excitement of, of completing that degree. Uh, the inspiration of, of making that sale the exhilaration of overcoming the odds and starting that new, new business. You see, victory <clears throat> is truly satisfying. It's fulfilling, it's rewarding, and it is a whole lot of fun. <laughs> God's story is a victorious story because Jesus wins. Uh, he triumphs in the wilderness over wants, over which way to go in life, over the war of, of who is worshipped, and is all recharged to, in the win. And then to be victorious again and even victorious over death. Our stories, your and my stories, the story of humanity, the story of Israel, is not so much a victorious one alone. Yet when we jump into God's victory story, Jesus' story, through faith we win. Heaven is for real. It's not just a book or a movie. (laughs) It's true. The Bible says it, it's there, it's real. It's something that we can look forward to, a hope that we have because of Jesus. But not only heaven to come, but but now, the, the joy, the peace, the blessing right now. Even right in the midst of a battle, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a, the intensity of temptation, the, 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 the trial of the discouragement of life not going the way you expected, there can be victory. Jesus experienced that victory right in the midst of a horrific time of trial and temptation and, and turmoil. And that's what Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11, speak of, giving us a, a five-fold reality of God's victory story, a victory story that you and I can join in on. So before we look into that, set aside your Bibles for a second, stand up, and let's pray and ask God to teach us something this morning. I'm glad you're here. I think God has something definitely for you to be encouraged with this morning. Because sometimes life doesn't feel like a victory. And I don't know where you're at, but God does. And he wants you to enter into the victory of his son. Father, thank you that we have a victorious savior. Um, one who conquered death, who, whose resurrection day we celebrate every Sunday. And Lord, that's a great reminder that, that we can have victory even in the midst of the most difficult times. But Lord, especially in this One instance, when you encountered the enemy in the desert, you reigned victorious. Help us to learn from that this morning. Challenge us, we pray, in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat, and hopefully you've got your notes out, and you are looking into that, and um, being uh, uh, ready for taking a look in God's word, a a five-fold reality of God's victorious story. Yes, God's story is victorious, as there is victory In the wilderness, that's the first thing you want to write down. Let's open your Bible, if you have it with you, to Matthew chapter 4, looking at verse 1. Let's look first at verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit. Now it says, then Jesus, it's talking about what happened in chapter 3. What happened in chapter 3, we looked at last week, was Jesus being baptized. Remember, he was baptized, and all of a sudden, what John saw some, John the Baptist saw some kind of vision. The heavens opened up, and, a, and a, a, something that looked like a dove or whatever it was, we don't know if it's really a dove, but came and rested on Jesus. It was a sign that the Holy Spirit was with Jesus, and the Holy Spirit was going to lead and guide Jesus. 
And you think, wow, that's victory right there. Then chapter four, chapter four, and look at what happens. Verse one, then Jesus was led by the, by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What? Uh, the Holy Spirit's leading Jesus to be tempted? Wow, that just doesn't seem like something the Holy Spirit would do. It's interesting, that word uh, lead in, this, uh, in, in Matthew's gospel, it actually is the word tempt. So the Holy Spirit tempted, you know, brought into a difficult situation Jesus and brought into temptation by the enemy, the devil, the one who accuses, the slanderer, our adversary. Now, what's interesting, if you read Mark's account of this, it's Mark chapter 1, you can read that later, but Mark's account, he uses a stronger word than led. It says, the Holy Spirit sent out Jesus, which means to be impelled or to be thrown out, thrust out, driven out. Jesus was thrust into difficult times into a threatening experience by the Holy Spirit. And we will too. Life has with it many wilderness experiences. Looking for a job, school, work, marriage, raising kids, dealing with sickness, the economy, governments, wars, and we could just continue to list on. It's scary. It's a scary place out there with many ups and downs. And there is a real, very real enemy who wants us to never see victory. And yet, When we step into God's story, through faith, there is victory. You see, we can't just enter in. You're not just born into God's story. You have to choose to enter into it. And there's actually something that holds you back. You can try. You can be good and follow the Bible and read the Bible, memorize it, give uh, to the poor and really help out. And those are all good things, but they don't transport you into God's story. There is no human way for us to get into God's story. The Bible says that sin has separated us from God and we're standing on this side and God is standing on this side and there's no way we can get over to God. That seems like a pretty lame story. All that's left, there's no victory for us. But that's why Jesus came, the victor came to, 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 to close the gap when he died on a cross. He paid the penalty for our sin. And, and now we now have been able to come into that story of God by through faith. And how we do that is understand that we're sinful, understand that we need a savior, and then make a profession of faith saying, I believe that I'm a sinner and I need a savior and it's Jesus and then choose to live life his way. Many of you have made that decision. Some of you are still thinking about it, and some of you actually think you've made that decision, but you really haven't gotten past the place where you, yeah, you understand it. You understand that Jesus is Savior, but you never really committed your life His way, and your life shows it. There's no distinction between you and anybody else. You may have a brain knowledge of Jesus, but it's not a heart knowledge. It actually compels you to live life His way. And there's still that gap there because you haven't yet entered into God's story, because it's in God's story. That's where the victory is. And there can be victory even in the most wilderness experience of life when it's difficult, even in our failure, because Jesus was and is victorious. So we're not to escape or to try to run from difficulty or avoid it. Or avoid it. We're to embrace it and let the Holy Spirit lead us through it. For under the Holy Spirit's guidance, he turns struggles into victory. Remember this verse in, in Romans 8, 28? It's a verse that gets misused all the time, but listen to what it says. And we not know that for those 
who love God, in other words, who those who've entered into God's story, who've made that profession of faith, who, who have come to know Jesus and are seeking to live life his way as best as they know how. We know that those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, I'm going to explain what good is in a minute, but for those who are called according to his purpose. God weaves together everything for the good of his children. Now, the good in this context does not refer to earthly comfort. More money, ease, fame, getting life what, uh, what we want, getting life our way. But the good is the good of conformity to Christ. That as we go through this, this, this testing, this crucible of the wilderness, it transforms us through the Holy Spirit's power to be more like Christ. You can't get there any other way. You cannot get muscles from just looking at the gym. You, know, you can go by 24-hour fitness and go, wow. That's great. Nothing happens. You can't lose weight without somehow some kind of diet. You can read about the diet. You can even get all the stuff together on your shelf and buy it all like you do and never use it. It's not going to (laughs) change. You actually have to, uh, to be conformed by the Holy Spirit, and that's what the good is. The good is also a closer fellowship with God. There is a fellowship in the sufferings of life with Christ. Paul talked about that. There's good in bearing fruit, the good fruit of the kingdom, and there's there's good in that God gets glorified in that. And these times of temptation, these wilderness times, are not to see if we fail, but to strengthen us. There is victory in this good. Our character is better conformed to be like Christ. Our relationship with the Lord is strengthened and deepened. And our skills are, are sharpened to bear better fruit. That's victory. Jesus was victorious in this desert time of testing. Now, if you flip back to Exodus chapter 15, Israel had a desert experience, but they failed miserably. Write down somewhere in your notes, Numbers. It's a book of the Bible called Numbers. Numbers chapter 11, chapter 12, and chapter 14. Look at those later. They, they, they talk about Israel's failing when they grumbled all the time. We'll, we'll explain that in a moment. But <clears throat> they had a miserable time in the desert. They failed miserably, so much so that God had a whole generation die off before they entered into the promised land. And these things happen according to 1 Corinthians 10 so that we can learn from their mistakes. As a matter of fact, look at 1 Corinthians 10, verses 5 and 6. It says, Nevertheless, with most of them, that's Israel, wandering in the desert, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as an example for us that we might not desire the evil as they did. You know what the evil was? The evil was they were so into themselves, self-focused, looking out for self-desires. And so we are to put our trust and hope in Jesus, not self, in His way of life. And as Jesus was led under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, so should we, and we should yield to his coaching. I I love what Jeremiah 17 says. Listen to it. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. That phrase, whose trust is the Lord, means I trust his way of life way more than what I think life should be like. Uh, my, My trust is not only in him, but I am in him that his way is my way. 
That's what the trust means, that we trust God so much that we don't even think about going our way. We think about going, what would God want in this situation? How would he want me to live? How is the way I should be a husband, a a, a father, a mother, a wife, a, a child? How should I be in this job, God? How should I be in this job? And that's what the idea is, is to identify with him in every way. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. Doesn't fear when wilderness times come, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit, because his trust is in the Lord. There is victory in the wilderness of life, because Jesus was and is victorious. Trust in him. Yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. As well, God's story is victorious as there is victory in want. You know, we, we, we live in a crazy world, <clears throat> a hedonistic world <clears throat> that says we should not deny ourselves any pleasure. We should have whatever we want. And so we lack self-discipline and self-control. I mean, we see it played out in the news media already. Look at all these athletes that are struggling with domestic violence. No self-control. Yet, yet every athlete knows the discipline of working out. They need to know the discipline of learning the plays. They need to know the discipline of learning to be a team. It's vital. And so it is with the rest of life as well. And that's why we practice spiritual disciplines. And spiritual discipline is important. That's why in the, in the um, devotional, it gives some ideas of that. Of, of, uh, and you'll be reading more of those as you go along. First one is prayer. Spending the time having a disciplined practice of prayer. It's good to be disciplined, to have some self-control, to do good things we don't feel like doing at first. Because the reality is our natural bent is to be lazy, indulgent, driven, and self-centered. I mean, look at 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride in possessions, is not from the Father, but from the world. And we are sucked right into it. (laughs) Without curbing our wants, life is a mess. It's like having a bad hair day. (laughs) I mean, almost every single one of you that has hair did something today with it. Because if you don't, that happens. Well, most of you did something with your hair today. (laughs) For some reason, it just kind of, just for me, just has little stick-up points, and that's just the way it is. (laughs) But it needs training. It needs some products. It needs some attention. Like our hair, we can have victory over wants. We can have self-control, just like Jesus. Let's look back at our text, now verse 2 to 4. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he, that's Jesus, was hungry. (laughs) You think. We go one meal and we're starving After 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, Ah, if you are the Son of God. Isn't that funny he said that if? If you are the Son of God. I mean, here's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the one who created everything that we see. And he says, if you're the Son of God. (laughs) The audacity of the enemy. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, You shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
The tempter wants us to give up and to give in to our wants. The tempter, another name for the enemy, the devil, the one who is always after us to sin, to have us feel defeated and discouraged and depressed and for us to give up. The sad reality is we do. We give in to lying. We give in to cheating. We give in to stealing, into pornography, into gossip, into affairs, into a self-focus and a, and a pride. For nothing in our world helps us. Nothing in our world helps us have self-control or self-discipline. And we fail. Just like Israel did as they wandered in the desert They were grumbling about water and about food and about meat and about leadership. And finally they decided, we're just going to make our own God. And so they did. And you can read in Exodus about what happened with that. But yet Jesus did not fail. He did not give in. And he quoted this last part in in Matthew uh, uh, 4, verse 4. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. He quoted Deuteronomy 8, 3. Jesus was and is victorious over want. It comes down to trusting in what God gives you. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply every need of yours, not every want, not every desire, but every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. If Jesus can, you can. If Jesus can, yes, you can. Si, si puede. (laughs) Yes, we can. If Jesus can, we can. Don't listen to the lie you can't. As a matter of fact, by the way, who told you you couldn't? God says you can. So who's telling you you can't? If it's not from God, there's only one other place it comes from. And that's the enemy. It takes time to be consistent and to be victorious. Over want. So keep practicing. And like Jesus, cling to the promise, the, the veracity, the truth of the Bible. You will notice that Jesus counteracts the enemy with what? Bible verses. Why do you think it's so important? And I say almost every Sunday, read your Bible. Because that's what God gave us. You know, if you, if you, if you look at the, the full armor of God in Ephesians, there's one all of the rest are defensive. There's only one offensive tool. That's the sword of the word of God. That's what we have. That's why we need to, to learn it, to memorize it, to understand the word of God. God is victorious. Jesus is victorious. God's story is a victorious one as there is victory in the way. Let's look at verses five to seven. Then the devil took him to uh, the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God... Throw yourself down, for it is written. Don't you love the way the enemy now twists the word of God to get it to mean what he wants it to? For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. I love Jesus. (laughs) Jesus said to him, again, it is written. And you all see the authority in his voice. It is written. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The enemy tries to get Jesus to doubt God's way and narrow God's trustworthiness to a manipulated contest where the enemy now decides what is trustworthy and what is real. Our enemy is really good at that. 
He has created a whole culture that says God must conform to our ways, jump through our hoops, answer our prayer, give me this blessing, make this circumstance work out my way. God, if you really love me, then this will happen. We no longer take God at his word or see him the right way. How dare the devil try to manipulate God? How dare we try to manipulate God? I know I try. God, if you just answer this prayer, if you just, God, just show up, please. Give me this encouragement. God, how dare we? When Israel was in their desert experience, they tried the same thing, trying to conform God to their story, not seeing his will and, and his way, the way to go. In Deuteronomy twelve eight, it says this, Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It also says that in the book of Judges, all the way through the book of Judges. And we fail in the same way too. We want God to conform to our way. We want his story to be my story, not for us to jump into his story. Yet we're to conform to his will and his way. That's where the victory is. Jesus not only quotes a command from God that you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, but appeals to the character of God that his way is the right way. That's where the victory is. For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It can't be found in anywhere else. I love 1 John 5, 12. He who has the Son has life, real life. Life the way it was meant to be lived. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. God's story is a is victorious, victorious in the wilderness, victorious in want, victorious in the way, and victorious in worship. Look at verses 8 to 10. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and said to him, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The temptation was to avoid the cross here. The enemy was saying, Jesus, you don't have to go through the whole ordeal of the cross. I'll just give it you everything right now. He is the prince of the power of the air, Satan is. He has dominion right now. He tried to tempt Jesus to forego the cross, but the cross is essential because a spotless lamb needed to pay for our sin. Jesus had to go to the cross and he knew that. Yet he knew the pain he would go through. All it takes is a shift of allegiance, a change of affection, a move to what we value more, a transference transference from worship to God to the enemy. And if it's not God, it is the enemy. There's no in-between. Israel failed by choosing the idol of self. Deuteronomy 12.8, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In other words, everybody followed their own God themselves. They also created something, that, that golden calf, as Exodus 32 talks about. And we fail the same way. We make idols of money and popularity, self, family, job, success, 
Yet Jesus was and is victorious. And we too, as we set our affections on him. Jesus here quotes Deuteronomy 6, 13. That we should worship God only and serve him only. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 22, verses 37 and 40. What's the greatest and most important commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. God also said that to the children of Israel way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. The Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, everything about you you should love him with. There is victory in worship as we center on Jesus. Matthew 6.33, Nathan mentioned it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. As we set our affections on Christ, everything in life lines up as it should. You wonder why life gets so out of control. Many of the times it's because we've set our affection on something else. This success or this want or this desire or self. And life gets all messed up. Yet when you put Christ in the center, you set your affections on him, you worship him with your life, life aligns because you're following his order of things. Jesus was victorious because he had his sights on God. We can be victorious as we set our sights on Jesus. In this victory, Satan flees as 1 John 4, 4 says, greater in he that is in me, that's Jesus, than he that is in the world. And there is victory in the wind. Let's look at the last verse. Then the devil left him, verse 11 of, of Matthew 4. Then the devil left him, Jesus, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Jesus was refreshed from the fight. He enjoyed the victory party and was ministered to. We need to take those times and make those times to, to, to revitalize and refresh ourselves. That's why we come together on Sunday, to be encouraged and built up and to, be, to realize that Jesus wins. And we have Christ in our life. We can walk out of these doors victorious throughout the week, knowing that our Savior goes with us. The Holy Spirit leads us into whatever wilderness we face. And we need that times of revitalization because there will be trials out there. There will be testing. There will be wilderness experiences and Jesus experienced them as well. In Matthew 16, 21, verses 23, the enemy used even one of Jesus' very own, Peter. They're talking about how Jesus must die and Peter goes, no, no, you don't have to die. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. The enemy used the crowd in John 6.15. The crowd wanted to make Jesus king right then and there, uh, skipping the cross. And Jesus had to escape from their midst. And even in the garden, in Matthew 26, verse 39, Jesus was agonizing over the reality of what the cross was going to take of him physically. And he said, God, if there's any other way, And then he relented and surrendered and said, not my will, but yours, Father. And so like Jesus, we should celebrate the victories, bask in the triumphs, revel in the glory of our hero, the Savior, our Lord, who actually defeated death. No one has ever done that. That's something we ought to celebrate. Jesus is alive. 
Someone say amen. amen. Believe it. Be rejuvenated by it. I love what Psalm 105 says, or 103 verses 1 to 5 says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There is a thrill in victory when you are on the winning side. I don't know who's going to win today. Maybe it will be the Chargers. Maybe hopefully the 49ers will be able to do something. And you've got to love and hate the Raiders. But what about you? What will this week be for you? Will this be a victorious week? Jesus is victorious. Even when led, even when, when thrust out, driven out into the wilderness. For there is victory in the wilderness. There's victory in want. There's victory in the way, there's victory in worship, and there's victory in the win. Choose to step into that victory. If you haven't yet stepped into that victory, step in. Don't just make it an intellectual understanding. Well, I know it. Actually, believe it. Belief means you jump in. You leap in. I don't know if all of you have made that decision, so I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to ask you heads to bow and your eyes closed. And if you have never yet made that decision of stepping into faith, taking all of yourself and saying, you know what? I've been making this a brain faith all my life and now I want to make it a heart faith. I'm just going to lead you in a quick prayer. And if that's where you're at, you just pray silently in your head with me. And the rest of you who know for sure that you've made that, you pray for those who are right now struggling to make this decision. So if you're there, you pray with me. In your head, just in quiet name. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that that sin separates me from you, God. And Jesus, I get that you're my Savior, that you paid the penalty for my sin on the cross. And right now, here on this day, I'm tired of um, just thinking I believe. I want to now commit my life to you. And with all I know of myself, I choose to believe. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for closing the gap. Help me to now understand and live in your story. Now, with heads bowed, eyes closed, if... If you prayed that, um, no one else is looking around. Just throw your hand up at me, would you, and say, hey, I prayed that. Anyone? Okay, got that. A couple of you, yeah, three, four of you. Anybody else? Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for these ones who've just made a decision for sure about their faith. Lord, thank you. Fill them with your great love. Holy Spirit, just to jump on them and may they feel your presence. And Lord, may this week be different like none other. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Everybody look at me. Thank you. And those of you who made the decision, if you just come say hi to me, I'd love to give you some information to help you grow in your faith. But uh, um, others of you, are, uh, you struggle.
you struggle with uh, life. And right now you feel like you're in a wilderness. Um, you're not feeling the victory. And here's where our story comes in. You need people that surround you. So I'm going to ask you to do something really brave. <laughs> I don't know if anybody will do this and be brave enough. But if you feel that you just, you're in a wilderness experience, you, you're not feeling the victory, uh, we want to pray for you. And so in a second, I'm going to ask you to stand up and ask those around you to gather around him. We're going to pray, lay hands on you and pray together. So if, if you're facing a struggle, if you're in a little bit of a wilderness experience and, and just want some people to pray for you, would you just stand up just real quick? Go ahead. Anybody want to do that? Be brave. Okay, there's some... No, go ahead. There's a couple people over here. Would some of you gather around them, get up out of your chair gather, and gather around and lay hands on them? Anybody else? Somebody already did it once. Anybody else going through wilderness experience want to pray? Okay, we're going to pray for these folks over here. Oh, yeah, right here. here. This brother over here. Some of you stand around him, lay hands on him and, and pray for him. There's some up in the back here too. I know it's hard. You know, we don't want to admit that we're having trouble. So if you're standing up and, and, and you want someone to pray for you, just kind of make sure someone's around you. Just say, hey, can someone pray for me? Anybody, you ever got people praying around you? Great. Okay, let's pray. The rest of you pray for these people who are standing up. Father, I thank you for the bravery of these people who are willing to admit that they're going through a, a wilderness experience. Um, Lord, it's tough to go life alone. Sometimes we don't even feel your presence, and yet we hear from your word that you're with us always. And God, I'm asking that you would do a tremendous work in these people's lives. That they would not only know in their head that you're with them, but that they would feel your presence as they walk through this difficult time. God, I pray that they would feel your loving arms around them just like they feel the, the touch of these brothers and sisters around them. Help them, Lord, in this wilderness experience. Help them, first of all, be refined by it as you want us to be refined in the crucible of these wilderness experiences. But then, Lord, comfort them, encourage them, and Lord, may it be good for them as they are building character and, and you are refining them and you're helping them. Walk them through this, Lord. We all have to go through times like this. And so we ask you to be with them, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Thank you. You can head back to your seats and thanks for allowing us to, to pray for you. I um, hope that was helpful to you and, and encourage you to, you know, it, it, being vulnerable is worth it. We have a very real enemy that wants to defeat us. And as we stand together, we're bigger. But we're also bigger as we stand behind Jesus. So I encourage you with that. We want to move into a time of communion, as we've been doing all throughout this uh, uh, time <clears throat> of, uh, of, in our campaign. Every Sunday we've been sharing communion. And the neat thing about uh, the reality of, of the enemy or that what the Jesus victory over the enemy is the enemy tried to defeat Jesus by getting him to use Jesus' own power for his personal gain to not follow the father's will yet Jesus trusted God and endured the test and became to us the bread of life uh, if those who are helping prepare communion would go ahead and help the, I need a couple in the back tables back here and um, communion is a very special time in the life of the church because it, it's an opportunity for us to remember what Christ has done for us, that we stand victorious. There are times that we share communion and it's a somber experience because we are uh, uh, 
just uh, overtaken by the, the, the sacrifice Christ made for us. But communion is also a victorious thing. Jesus won. Yeah, he went and he died and he, it was a horrific death. He gave his life for us. But he walked out of that tomb three days later. And he is alive today. And he can be alive in your life. And so this Sunday, when you take communion, we're going to, how we do it, we have two tables in the front and two tables in the back. And in a moment, I'm going to pray and then release you to go get the elements. Take those elements and celebrate that he is the bread of life, that he is the, the sustenance of life, a, a new covenant. I'll explain that in a moment, but, but be excited about that. The song's going to be celebratory. Spend some time praying about that and let's celebrate the Lord. Let me pray and then you come when you're ready. Father, thank you for the joy that we can have in the reality of what you've done in the cross. Lord, we, we know and we, we feel with you and we mourn with the reality of the pain that you went through, but Lord, we are excited the victory we have in you. Thank you for allowing us to celebrate with you this victory meal of, of communion, of, of a victorious Savior who is alive and has conquered the enemy. Satan has no realm here. So Lord, let us live victorious lives. Challenge us as we take this time of communion, we pray in your son's name. When you're ready, you come.